Welcome back to The Connected Athlete. I'd like to... Oh, no, that sounded weird. It did. I don't know. Why? Let's start again. Welcome back. Welcome back to The Connected Athlete. I'm here with Elkie, my co-host, and today we're going to be talking about stretching. This is a conversation I would have most weeks with athletes and parents about when they should stretch, should they be stretching, what type of stretching should our athletes be doing. The questions I get asked are around what is the difference between static stretching and dynamic stretching, when should our athletes be doing static stretching, when should they be doing dynamic? Should static stretching be done before they go out and play? So today we're going to try and discuss some of the things that we can have in place to make sure that we're doing the right stretches at the right time. Static stretches are very deliberate. They're trying to extend the length of the muscle and they're being held for a long period of time. So they are done, the reason they're called static is that they are done without movement. I think it also depends on the type of person that is doing the stretch as well, how contracted their muscles are, so how tight they are in different spots because obviously some stretches won't work for specific people. When we give athletes a static stretching program, we are being very deliberate about what they need to do. So if we've had an athlete in the gym and we put them through some tests and we identify that they their muscles are at the right length, they've got full range of movement, their flexibility is good, we won't necessarily give them any static stretches. We might give them a recovery program when they feel a little bit tight, but we don't tend to give out a lot of static stretches. If we do identify that they have some tightness, then we will deliberately give them some homework to do where they can do their static stretches at home to try and gradually lengthen that muscle over time. Young athletes are growing and developing throughout that period of time where we're trying to increase their performance, their training loads are increasing, they are doing more and more and their bodies are trying to grow, develop and also perform at the same time. During this growth and development phase of our athletes, we need to be very aware that their body is going through incredible changes. One of the reasons that they are tight often is that their bones, muscles, nerves are all growing at a different rate. So their bones might be growing, but their muscles and nerves are going through a different type of growth phase. So you can imagine if the bone is growing, it is creating tension on the muscles and it's creating tension on the nerves. So we need to make sure that we are being very gentle about the approach that we have with stretching. If we overload the system and we try and stretch it too much, then that has other implications. It can actually do more harm than good. So having good practitioners around the athlete, and this is where the village comes into play, we need to make sure that they are getting the best advice on when to stretch and when not to stretch. How hard do we push? Is one side different to the other? Because normally with growth, we are fairly symmetrical with how we grow. So if our hamstrings are tight because we're growing, both hamstrings are tight. But if we were to assess an athlete that has one hamstring tighter or a lot tighter than the other, then that's a different process for us to go through. 
when dealing with athletes, we can come across tightness that is nerve tightness. Now, nerve tightness is when the nerves themselves are tight and they're creating tightness through the whole limb. So that is a different type of stretching altogether. That is neural stretching. And it is a very deliberate stretching technique that helps athletes reduce some of the tension and the nerve response within their body. So not only do we have static stretching, which is done to increase the length of the muscle fibre, when assessing an athlete, we very much go through the process of trying to identify where are they tight and what is creating that tightness. So is it that they are in a growth phase and that is a particular type of stretching that, that we would give them because they're usually extremely tight when they're growing and they're going through a really quick growth phase. Is it neural tightness? So we put them through some tests to identify if they have any upper or lower limb neural tension. And that can stop people being active and, and moving well and they feel tight. So that would be a completely different type of exercise to try and gently, what we call flush the nerve, move the nerve in and out gently so that some of that nerve tightness starts to resolve. And in turn, the muscle works better and we can lengthen out the muscle more over time. If an athlete continues to be neurally tight, and their nerves are sending messages to those muscles and creating that tightness, if that's not addressed, often the other part of their static stretching doesn't improve. So as a priority in our clinical environment, we would address the neural tightness before we then address some of the other tightness. And that's a really important thing to remember. So we will get athletes in our clinical environment where they've been constantly stretching, 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 and nothing is changing with response to their pain or their discomfort or their fatigue that they feel. They might be getting cramps. There's lots of different things that can present as neural tightness. The nerve is irritated. It's sending the wrong kind of messages into the limb that they are creating problems for. Within our scope of practice, we see a lot a lot of people come to us asking or saying that their hamstrings are tight and most of the time it's not their hamstrings that are tight, it's their posterior neural chain that is tight. That's a huge focus for us because this might be because of their position at work, their position in play. Addressing that is really important as a practitioner. Yes, and I think this is where you can access the village again. If you've got an athlete that is getting ongoing pain and it's not resolving, absolutely we need to go and see someone about that. I certainly agree that our posterior neural chain is a big part of some of the complications that our athletes have and I think a big part of that is our athletes are sitting more. They're static a lot of the time when they're not being active. And that leads to that neural tension. They're sitting, they're not moving their nerves and muscles through certain ranges of movement where that would start to release some of that tension. If we talk about neural stretches and static stretches being something that we do as a separate workout as an athlete, and that's really important because if you're doing static stretches before you go out and play, it has been shown that it can increase your risk of injury. Performing static stretching before you go out and do something quite dynamic and powerful 
can reduce your performance. It can reduce strength and power in that muscle that you have stretched. You can imagine if I had an elastic band in my hand and I kept stretching it and stretching it, stretching it and being quite aggressive about it and doing it for long periods of time, then eventually the elastic band gets longer. Now, if you've already got good range of movement in those muscles and you're taking them past the point of what we would call their optimal length, that can destabilize your whole body. Our muscles rely on their recoilability. So the elastic energy that's stored in a muscle is the thing that makes us faster and more powerful. If you reduce that, not only do you reduce your efficiency and your ability to be fast and be strong and be powerful, you can also reduce the stability at the joint. So we don't want to be doing that either. Same with our neural stretches. We don't want to be doing those just before we go out and play because we have what we call neuromuscular fatigue. If we fatigue the nerve, it fatigues the message to the muscle and again, we can have those decreases in our power and our strength. There's also the other side of that that could increase the risk of injury. And that may not happen at the start of the match. It might be towards the end of the match when you are getting a little bit more tired. You're already starting in a fatigued point. And then you're getting to that end of that game. And that can be when the messages to your muscles really start to become a problem. It's like running a marathon and then going to try and play a game. <laughs> It is a little bit. And perform. And when we're talking about neuromuscular fatigue, the most important message to the muscle comes from our nerves. So if we're depleting that message or interrupting that message, you can imagine that that just leads to poor performance. The next part that I get asked about is, what about dynamic stretches? What should we be doing in our stretching that optimises our ability to go out and play. So before we do any dynamic stretches, we must be warm. So we need to be making sure that we warm up first. So that might be going for a jog and starting to warm up our muscles and our body and get our blood flowing and all those sorts of things, get our nervous system woken up. And then we are going to perform exercises that will increase the range of motion in the muscles that we're going to be using in that sport. It activates our, not only our nervous system, so we start to, our brain starts to think, oh, we're going to do some activity, I know what this is, I'm going to start sending the messages to the right muscles and the joints and all of those things to start the process of being more active. It also gets our body to a point where it's starting to think about balance and proprioception. Proprioception is our ability to understand where we are in space and the feedback we're getting from the contact that we have. So, for example, when we're running, the proprioceptive feedback from our foot on the ground provides all of the information back to our brain about what's about to happen, what's happening, and what we need to do next. So it's really important. We go through this process of waking up our system to ensure that we're ready to perform. Now, that dynamic stretching includes all sorts of different movement patterns depending on your sport. But it is vital that we go through those processes. So if we are running, we need to be warming up our lower body. So that might be things like high knees and bum kicks and some lunges, some squats, some side-to-side -side running, some crossover, karaoke's, whatever it might be. That dynamic stretching is really important. And it needs to be 
warm up, dynamic stretches, go into skills. That needs to be our process prior to a match so that our body can get used to that process. It starts to run. It says, okay, we're warming up. It goes through the process of dynamic stretching. When we do dynamic stretching, our brain is actually going through a process. So it's not just holding something. It's using a motor pattern in our brain to go through that movement pattern. And the motor patterns that we develop in those dynamic stretching situations or dynamic movements rather than stretching, but those dynamic movement patterns are our brain saying, oh, okay, yes, I know what's next. I know what's coming. If we then stop and do static stretching, which I see a lot of the time, we've now gone backwards because we've warmed our body up, we've gone through our dynamic stretching, and then we stop to stretch and then we go out and start to do our skill warm-up. One of the questions I get asked a lot of the time, and even within the sport that I play, when I'm running a warm-up, I'll always have those athletes that want to go for a run, come back and do their little static stretching, then go into dynamic stretching, and then they feel like they need to do a little bit more stretching, and then they'll go into their skill. My answer to that is always, if you want to do your stretching, I'm happy for you to do that statically in your own time but as soon as we start to jog and warm our bodies up the next step for us is dynamic stretching and then the step after that is to go into our skill development part of that is that it's the right thing to do and it's the right way to do it for our bodies but also we're teaching our body to do a warm-up every time before we go into skills the main thing I want coaches to do is to develop a really solid warm-up for our athletes. Teach athletes what it means to have a really good warm-up. The structure behind a warm-up should get to the point in a season where anyone within that group can take the session. Anyone within that playing group can run the warm-up because they know what happens in that warm-up prior to hitting the skill part that the coach takes over on. So they know how long to run for, they know what dynamic movement patterns to go through before they hit the pitch. Our brain is now ready. Our brain has gone through the process of saying, right, I know what we're going to do today. We're actually going to now play a game or we're going to start training. So doing the same warm-up before training versus the same warm-up before you play gets your body in a heightened state of ready to play. If the warm-up is hit and miss, if the stretching is hit and miss, the dynamic stretching is hit and miss, oh, we won't do that today, we'll go straight into training. Our body is not actually prepared for that. And what you'll see in your athletes is it takes them between 5 and 15 minutes to then warm up into your session. And that in itself is frustrating as the coach. So having that really well put together stretching or dynamic stretching is really important. Another part of static stretching and I guess neural stretching as well is that they have a really important role in return to sport and rehabilitation. So you'll often see athletes that have a sheet of paper that is attached to exercises that they might be doing and stretches that they have to do to support the injury that they have to return them from injury. Those stretches are really important. If a practitioner is giving our athletes stretches to do at home, they are often very boring and things that we have to do every single day. They do have a role in returning us to our sport and they should always involve getting full range of motion 
back in the joint that is affected. For example, if we have reduced ankle range because we can't use our calf through full range, that then loads other parts of our body. If we don't have full leg extension and leg flexion, hip extension, hip flexion, shoulder range of movement, because muscles are tight, it needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed early. You don't want athletes in a gym and you don't want them performing if they don't have good range of movement. Having said that, when they're growing, that will be affected. But trying to find that balance between if they're injured, making sure they get full range of motion back. If they're growing, having as much range of movement as they can and working on that through their growth phases. And that might mean that they have grown over the last four months and eventually they get back their full range of movement. And then eight to 12 months later, they go through another growth spurt where they have to go back to the original exercises or the similar types and go through that process. Some kids have to go through it four or five times because they grow so quickly and then they stop. And they're the ones that we have to be really careful of because they're the ones that have got tight calves, tight hamstrings, tight hips, all of those areas that get loaded in particularly our land-based sports. So stretching has a big role in our athletes, particularly our young athletes, but also in our elite and master's levels athletes as well, maintaining the joint range of movement and flexibility and mobility is the most important part of maintaining our performance and reducing our risks of injuring ourselves over time. When we're prescribing exercises to athletes, if they don't have full range of movement, if we identify that they can't move their hips through full range or their ankle through full range, that is absolutely where we start. We start with flexibility and mobility because if we don't get full range of movement, our muscles don't go through that range. Then if we start to exercise and we're putting them through that range of movement and at the same time we're, if we're bringing in external things like environment, the field that they're playing on, other competitors, other people in their team, fatigue, all of those things, if they're not moving optimally or as optimally as they can, then those other factors do start to pay, play a bigger role in their performance. So in summarising the differences between stretching and when to use them and when to not use them, we would recommend that static stretches and nerve stretches are done as a workout on their own, very deliberate at home and focused on because there are particular things you need to work on with regard to your flexibility and static stretches only need to be done on the muscles that need to be flexible. So if you're flexible in most of your muscles but your hamstrings are tight and your calves are tight, then they're the things that you work on. If you've gone through a neural test and a practitioner's given you particular nerve stretches, then they're the ones you need to focus on. Static stretching doesn't need to be a full workout. Having said that, it can be used as a recovery technique and we, we'll talk more about that in our recovery podcast further down the track. The next part of that is dynamic stretching. Dynamic stretching needs to be clever. It needs to be well put together. It needs to be a routine that is done before training and before a game so that your body is prepped every single time when you step on to do your skills and to then move into your game, your body is well prepped. 
you need to make sure that you warm up first so that your body's warm and it needs to take your muscles and your joints through the types of activities that you're going to do in your game. And as a result of that, building up into things like sprints and change of direction and, and things like that. So they start a little bit more controlled where it might be some lunges or some high knees, some butt kicks or some karaoke, side to side shuffles, whatever that might be. And then it builds up the intensity. So it starts with a lower intensity and throughout that dynamic warm-up, by the time you get to the end of the dynamic warm-up, you should be at the highest intensity that you can so that then when you step onto the pitch, you're ready and your body is saying, okay, I'm ready to play my sport or I'm ready to train. The hardest conversation that you're going to have with your athletes is convincing them that static stretching is something that they need to do at home. I believe that static stretching should be something that is very, very targeted and should be given by people that are qualified to give them. And dynamic stretching should also be something that is guided by good advice and an intention to hit the ground running. I just want to let people know that this podcast is based on uh, a lot of experience in the industry and some of the conversations and questions that I've had throughout that career and by no means is it uh, specific advice and you can take what you need from the information and we hope that it starts to allow people to ask more questions or consider certain situations in a different way.